live here on um, podcasting. Hello, John. Busy afternoon. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Good to see you again, too. So I was just mentioning in the pre-live show um, that I'm working on getting iReal Pro all kind of worked worked up. If you've seen my videos in the past, uh, you, you may know that I've had iReal Pro as kind of a teaching aid, um, and it's a great practice aid too. Um, but um, I'm working on getting that sorted out on this other computer. Uh, which is a PC, and um, so we've got this kind of emulator and everything going, but um, still working on the audio routing and uh, latency syncing up, all that timing issues. But um, actually, I think I've got it kind of sorted out, but I just want to do some more testing before I do that. But anyway, I'm going to use this as a visual aid. Uh, so here are the Giant Steps uh, core changes. And so, um, sure if I'm going to play that through this in real time and just monitor the, but anyway, I don't want to get into too many technical things, but, um, one of the things that this offers us, um, just as a follow-up to that video, um, it really allows us to work on our fundamentals. So this is an example of a, of a really tough tune to improvise on, um, and it, it really emphasizes how um, how much we can strengthen our um, our fundamentals in order to play more complex tunes. Um, you might might think of uh, two two extremes in um, at least improvisation, where you have kind of a chord like a static chord. I did a video on that a few weeks ago on um, a minor seven. So you have the same chord that, you know, the challenge there is to kind of keep it interesting, right? Because it's kind of the same notes. So you might try to get out and inside and out. So this, this tune is kind of on the opposite extreme where the chords are moving so rapidly, it's, it's a good idea to, to kind of spend some time just playing mainly chord tones. You know, so let's say uh, B, let's say I play B. I use that and then uh, D7. G. B flat. E flat. So there are just kind of a, a couple of of examples of just kind of trying to spell out the chord and a couple of things that you kind of do in that respect. Um, just if you're on um, the B uh, major seven, uh, we can take advantage of um, some of the chord tones, right? So like we had there. Three of those four notes that I played on that were uh, directly in the in the chord, right? So 
that's something that we can we can use to um, to help us with all that. Let me take a couple steps back and just talk about um, pentatonics and melodic structures um, from uh, the pentatonic kinds of uh, scales because that can really help to um, uh, get us working well with um, with these kinds of challenging uh, changes. Um, so let's let's take something kind of fairly simple here. How about C? We have a let's say a C um, major pentatonic. Let's take something like uh, A minor, and let's say we have A minor pentatonic. So we have a relative major, relative minor, and we're kind of pulling from the same group of tones in the um, in the pentatonic. So we have, uh, if we kind of survey our notes, we have A C. Right, so those are really the same notes from from the major pentatonic, C, D, E, G, A, C. All right, so if we if we kind of take a look at um, how all that kind of pans out there. Uh, we have a couple really open kind of intervals here. Minor thirds, whole step, whole step, minor third, whole step. So one thing we could try to do is take on a major chord, play maybe a four note grouping, so like the lowest four tones. And then on a minor, lowest uh, four tones of the uh, minor pentatonic. Well, so that can help us to really outline the changes and it, it gives us a note that's also not one of the chord tones. Uh, so we get a little bit of um, the little bit of the stepwise motion mixed in with um, with uh, some chord tones too. So that's a pretty nice feature of, um, of that whole thing. So just to recap a little bit there, um, we're talking about uh, melodic structures. Uh, we're talking about pentatonic uh, scales. Uh, so we're pulling a couple of, um, of tones from the pentatonic scale. Um, and if you want to check out um, a, a book that that is really helpful in this respect, uh, you can check out uh, Jerry Berganzi, uh, Volume 1, Melodic Structures, which I'm going to read from a little bit. Um, it's one particular uh, topic that I want to share with you. It's, it's kind of hopefully... Uh, 
can find it here, but um, I think that's by Advanced Music. Um, but it's part of a whole series. And uh, so I highly uh, recommend that. But that this could be a uh, really good resource. It doesn't have any uh, tablature or anything like that in it, but um, it does offer uh, quite a lot of insights into into this topic that we're working with here. Okay, so here I think this is kind of what I'm what I'm thinking of here. Let me see if I can share a view here for a moment. Um, or maybe I'll just I'll just talk about it here. All right, so if we um, if we take uh, let's say from A, play um, uh, we we kind of get some symmetry here. So it was um, we have this minor third, and then uh, a major second, and then a, a major second, and a minor third. So we could say that they kind of mirror each other. So you get minor third, whole step, um, whole step, and then minor third, right? So let's try that out. So I'm on the third string here, fret two. So we can put a minor third, whole step, whole step, minor third, right? So we kind of get this mirror image as far as the intervals from that kind of middle note. And if you're looking for a really, really great way to uh, start to understand some of the music theory and some of the, um, the fundamentals of that, try to limit yourself to one string, kind of like I just did. So you just, just take, take a string and play a major scale or... Um, or whatever it is that you're um, trying to work on, because um, it just it um, kind of minimizes that complexity a little bit. So you just say, okay, got these steps and, and things, so you can really get a linear idea of what's going on. Um, all right, so let's see if we can uh, talk about just some basics of. Uh, melodic structure. So melodic structure on, uh, and there are a lot of these things you could do, different permutations, different uh, inversions uh, of them. Uh, so something like that on a B, uh, the B major or Um, I'm glad to hear that, John. Yeah, awesome one string. John says that one string tip works. So we say, okay, for B, you know. And the D7, kind of the nice thing about it is that that particular melodic structure will work for sevens and dominant sevens so anything that has a major 
uh, triad. Oh, hi, James. I'm glad you made it. So we get that. And then uh, G major, E flat. Okay. And some of these were right in that um, uh, John Coltrane solo excerpt that I that I talked a little bit about. So the um, A minor melodic structure generally play like play like that. It was just a little bit different. So we say like the first four notes of the um, minor pentatonic. So we might play like that, and then D seven. Let me kind of start it out again. So let's see if we can see if I can remember what what we just did. So on B. first start doing that it's going to sound very much like an exercise and that's what exercises are, are for um, but when you get more familiar and you can do the different permutations and you can do the different inversions um, and things then then you can move uh, to create a lot more um, variety on things so the permutation idea is the order that you that you play one of these melodic, stru melodic structures in. So you might play permutation of going downward. So then you just try right, and then um, so just a different permutation. So could do it from any so kind of the appeal of that is then you can start mixing mixing things up and doing different different permutations so that's permutation um and then um, inversions of, of them would be just choosing one of one of the four notes as as kind of your lowest note, and then you get some a little more openness to the sound. And that's one appealing kind of thing about about these is um, so say I have B. So I played a little bit like that earlier on. So so we might play something like that. So anyhow, it's a good opportunity to try to play um, really simply and master uh, certain core elements of, of harmony, um, which is um, the 5-1, the 2-5, and then combinations of that, you know, 2-5-1. So, um, those are some really important uh, types of uh, progressions on that. So aside from these kind of um, melodic structures, which is I think a really great 
jumping off point. You can also play kind of full pentatonics, uh, which are really, really helpful. Um, so, and and sometimes if if you're if you're seeing this, I uh, might say, you know, the D the B major seven D seven. Um, but really, I want to see like the D seven to G major seven. That's that's where the function is happening. The, the D seven to G major seven, B flat seven to E flat major seven. You can see at the very end of the progression, we have F sharp seven to B at the very beginning. So that's the five one um, motion. So if you were to take a Uh, C major scale, let's say. And omit uh, two notes, these two notes. Then we get the uh, C major pentatonic, which is kind of what we just talked about earlier. Even though that doesn't contain all the notes that I'm that I'm playing here, it's just still something that we can use on that sound because this is a a family, you might say. So this is a major type chord. There's a lot of different um, ways that we can play that chord. We can think of it as a six nine. We can see, think of it as a major nine. Anyway, we're omitting those two tones. And then if you say, okay, play a, a G7, and then you would omit these two tones, the C and the E, and you end up with a dominant pentatonic. So when you go in to play, um, and then you could, you could practice all that. So okay, say, think, okay, G7. C, G7, and C, G7, C, G7, C, G7, C, and just keep going back and forth with that, exploring it. So that's another very um, kind of foundational thing that we can use. Um, so now we're opening up, you know, five notes, but generally you might choose four of the five notes. So say B might play D7, G, B flat seven, E flat major seven, then A minor seven, D7, to the to the G. So there's some use of of pentatonics and we're just kind of choosing four of the um, notes from the from one of the pentatonics. So I'm basically using uh, the major pentatonic on the major chorus, dominant pentatonic on the, the on the seventh chord, dominant seventh chorus, and then the minor pentatonic on the A minor seventh chord. So the thing that you can do to help to create smooth lines is have as many reference points as 
as you can kind of think of as you play a certain note. So on or a certain chord. So say B major seven. So then you kind of think, okay, well, it doesn't always have to be this way, but but mastering this is really important. You say, okay, well, I want some sort of stepwise motion when I'm connecting between two chords. And like I said, it doesn't always have to be that way, but you want to re really kind of master it. Um, so you can do it a lot of the times, have the control. So you say, okay, B major, maybe I use those notes. And then you could say, okay, I want stepwise motion. I can go a whole step back to that for the D7. Or you say, okay, choose the same four notes for B major seven. Maybe I want to go up a half step. So then your lines start to sound like um, you know, a little more maybe connected. Um, and I'm using some thirds there too, but um, but to, you know as you heard earlier, the um, uh, they can sound very kind of disconnected and. Um, uh, exercise like if you play that like that so um, that's where if you take the approach of those melodic structures which is still rooted in pentatonics um, you can do the same thing which is to try to connect the um, the the chords from one to the next with um, with maybe like a stepwise motion. All right, I'm gonna um, take a look around. Thanks so much for watching. We've got, uh, got quite a few folks here. Thanks for checking this out. Um, I'm gonna take a look at um, Facebook here real quick and make sure everything's going all right. And, uh, Generally, I don't have a lot of viewers there, so usually any comments. Um, I'm also live streaming a uh, podcast, so check that out as well. Things looking good. Uh, a couple of updates to the website. I'm trying to make everything um, kind of easier uh, to find and uh, and uh, getting things going in that respect uh, as well. Uh, so get a chance to uh, check out the website, have a lot of kind of updates on that, um, on that site and it's, and it's definitely a work in progress. Uh, so check back often if you can. Um, so let's learn a little bit about uh, Ted Green. So was, um, he's got some really famous books, um, really, really an incredible um, musician and educator and guitarist and uh i was looking for a, a live video of him playing um uh this christmas tune um uh, have yourself a merry little christmas and um and i found one it was really really cool um and um it sounded like he was pretty much improvising and um and just just kind of all over the neck of uh, you know full range of the instrument and um playing these really cool um i'm not going to play anything exactly like what he just did but 
I've talked about this a little bit on the on the channel before, which is to play. Let's say I'm like playing a C major nine chord. So you kind of not sure if he was doing exactly that, but something something along these lines. So what you do there, um, I'm not getting on too much of a tangent, but um, you basically find um, find a, a, a note, and this is a little hard to demonstrate, but um, your octaves are, are 12 frets above wherever you're playing, right? Um, so there's going to be a strong harmonic there. So if I have an open string, I can touch the uh, the string without pressing down. This is one mistake folks make uh, when I'm trying to explain this. So you kind of just touch the string lightly without pressing it. Okay, and then you take the thumb behind. Not sure how well that's coming across. I don't have the uh, angle set up for exactly that. But anyway, that's kind of the thing. The thumb is setting the string in motion. Right, and the finger, and once you set a harmonic in motion, then you can, you can remove your finger. So, so you get this really kind of cool sound. So, a couple of folks to check out on this, um, Tal Farlow would take a whole chorus or more, uh, just like doing that whole thing. Um, so you just add 12 to whatever and to whatever wherever you are and if you okay for three it's gonna be 15 right so the the finger markers uh, are gonna kind of help with that as well all right so let's check out a little bit about um, Ted Green and uh, see what we can learn there um, this, uh, set up here so like I said um, Ted Green he did some um, quite a lot of um, or my understanding is that he, he did quite a few um, uh, clinics and things um, and taught guitar privately. And um, I think he had at least one album, um, but maybe more. Let's check him out a little bit. Wikipedia page. Yeah, John says, um, uh, because I'm pretty much a hobbyist, Giant Steps is more than I care to tackle. I need to recognize the melody. Yeah, I get that. Um, and I think that's part of why I um, haven't done a, uh, a whole uh, uh, video on that. But I might, I might get back to the melody a little bit today because the melody itself is is kind of kind of simple in a in a way 
Um, so let's learn a little bit about uh, Ted Green before I get to all that. Um, American fingerstyle jazz guitarist. That's the first statement here that's interesting okay um started um guitar age 11 uh, did pretty well in high school sounds like um studied accounting and and then decided on the guitar direction uh played in some some bands um A bunch of notable things here, um, but check out check out Ry Cooter if you get a chance. Uh, there, I think there were some. He's been in some documentaries and stuff. So um, that's a little little aside there. Um, so he's recognized recognized as a jazz musician, uh, but played many musical styles as well. Um, uh, role as an educator, seminars at the Guitar Institute of Technology. There are quite a few videos uh, um, from there. Um, they, so they must have an archive of their videos and stuff. And I, have, I think they have some pretty uh, well-produced releases as well. So if you get a chance to check that, that out. Um, um, and then he played play occasionally live. Um, Usually playing a Fender Telecaster. Uh, all right, cool. So Green recorded one album, solo guitar, which was produced by William Perry and Leon White, released in 1977, PMP uh, Records. Uh, so sounds pretty cool. Um, so get a chance to check him out. I was, I was checking out some, um, video of him. Um, kind of looks like some spots where he was at a music store. Um, some, uh, some of these, uh, colleges and schools and things. So if you get a chance to, um, check him out a little bit online, um, I think that would be, uh, uh, helpful uh, to folks, and he's got a real famous book. I think it's called um, "Chord Chemistry," something like that. All right, let's check out a little bit of the. Um, we'll take a little look at the melody um, for. Giant steps and um, talk about that a little bit. I can dial, kind of dial this in. So this uh, can be found in uh, the new real book too. And um, see if we can just kind of um, get a look at the melody a little bit. Uh, like John said, um, that's actually, you know, where um, you want to connect with things and 
going. So, so you can find this in the um, new real book too. Um, so the the melody. Starts out like that. If we take a look at the first um, few notes, um, if you were to just kind of take this out of out of context and forget the chords altogether, and just sort of um, take a look at those tones, just kind of on their own, uh, spells out kind of a, a G major seven uh, chord, you might say, or an arpeggio. And then we get this tone, right? Of the B flat. And so this is kind of interesting here. So we have this this tone, and then we have a half step above it, a half step below it. It's kind of interesting because that's sort of if we were to reverse those those tones and play, right? That's kind of a, um, a targeting sort of thing. So, um, so we have have that aspect. So we're kind of encircling that that tone. So it's interesting. That's sort of like that's in reverse order. I don't know if there's any significance to that or not, actually. But um, but anyway, that's just an observation. Okay. Um, and then uh, let's take a look at kind of another segment up in here. So we get kind of a similar um, relative kind of pattern. All right. So, okay, so we have, you might think again, kind of out of the context of everything. Think about this as a E flat major seven kind of um, arpeggio, right? And then we get sort of the same relative um, kind of thing happening there, and then the same sort of the same phenomenon afterwards. So. Um, Kind of the the symmetry to this is is kind of interesting um, when it comes to playing um, on these uh, two five progressions. Um, so, sorry, at the end of that measure, a, a minor 7 and the D7. 
So that, that B is the nine of that chord, and the A is the fifth of the D7. Okay, and then we have on the F minor, just looking below there, on the F minor, we have the nine of that chord, and then on the D, our B flat seven, we have the fifth of that chord. So there's sort of a sameness to it, right? So like I said earlier, we had the had this, if, you know, we could kind of see this pretty well on guitar, right? Because we could, we can, we can easily transpose, sort of. <laughs> so if I have this G major seven triad, or not triad, major, uh, arpeggio, and then we can kind of see the sameness of of that, the relative sameness. There we go. That's better. So we have the G major seven and E flat major seven as well. And then that, that B flat is the fifth of E flat. So it's measure three on the top line. And then the F sharp is the fifth of the, of the B. So it's kind of stating the same thing and, you know, just kind of going down um, a major third. So that's kind of interesting, I think. Um, check out um, and then if if we go a little further um, and check out like I like I said the um, the second half of the tune like I said in that video um, the other day the second half of that tune is a series of two fives in those same tonal areas. So we have um, ending on the like the fifth. This one, it's kind of nice that, that it's mixed up a little bit because he could, on the C sharp minor seven, they could have played that, uh, which is kind of giving us maybe a lot of the same. So here we get a 13 on the F sharp seven, play that note again. And then we get up to um, the fifth on the major seven so kind of it's always going to that fifth just like we talked about before kind of going back to, to that so as far as kind of chord chord melody goes um and i, th I think there's a joe pass um according to him playing like solo on it. Um, there's also a Matheny recording. He plays in a group on it. Uh, so the, there's definitely some some really cool guitar things to check out on this. But if we are just, uh, let me just check in and make sure 
not missing any. Yeah. Um, yeah, John says, uh, my biggest problem with giant step is, is that it's always played at breakneck tempo. Yeah. So that is, um, that was one thing I think that was e maybe even surprising to some of the, um, members in the ensemble on the original recording is, uh, just how fast it was. Um, so you could kind of hear that a little bit, um, on some of the solos, but, um, but yeah, it's just so, it's just so fast. It's just such an, you know, just to think about how incredible, um, an accomplishment that was, you know, uh, you know, for, for Coltrane just to play like, um, just to play like that and to, to have that, you know, and, you know, it's not just this tune. There's there are quite a few others um, um, that just employ this. These you know, what's sometimes called the kind of matrix. But check out um, Pat Metheny if you haven't already. Pat Metheny Giant Steps. It's played really pretty slow. Um, not like slow, but but it's slower relative to. Um, um, it's actually a pretty comfortable tempo. Um, I think the first time I heard it, I was pretty surprised at how slow it was. Um, but um, um, so it really does kind of it does work in that way. So uh, James, oh sorry, I missed your uh, missed your comment. Um, so. Um, See, uh, James says, uh, uh, yeah, he died, died young. Um, so, um, yeah, Coltrane, Coltrane died fairly young. I'm not sure if you're mentioning, um, Ted Green or John Coltrane. I guess both of them are, died, um, uh, young compared to the uh, average life expectancy. So, um, but, um, so what was I, was I getting at? Um, oh yeah, I wanted to come back a little bit to, um, before we head off here and thanks so much for watching and, uh, um, and your comments. Um, but I want to get back here a little bit to uh, some just kind of chord melody um, ideas on this. So I lost my screen here. Um, doo -doo -doo. There it is. All right, so maybe I'll... Um, just talk about that a little bit and then let me know if you have any last minute questions. Um, and also well, I welcome and you know anything that you're um, struggling with or or just um, interested in. Um, it really helps to shape things on the uh, channel. A couple of things I, I plan to do. Um, I want to do some I'm going to do some Christmas tunes, which I'm, I, I might do at least one on, um, 
on this channel, but I have a, a bunch of classical things I want to do um, on um, my Fretprints classical channel, which is just kind of a very small channel that I that I have going on. Um, but I also want to put out a video on um, a tune that we've been looking at this week on the member area, which is um, There Is No Greater Love. So keep an eye out for a melody video on that. Um, I haven't gotten very far with it, so probably um, it'll be later this week. So let's check out some um, just kind of voicings. Um, you know, so the symmetry of this whole thing, I keep using that word, but um, you, you get a lot of kind of sameness, you might say. Um, so if we have a B major seven, play this chord maybe I'll play some super, really super simple uh, voicings so you play like D7 um, so let's say we want uh, yeah so we have maybe play right or even this one you know so you kind of say okay kind of do all that same all those same kinds of uh, things over here so you get kind of the same thing like I said a major third down just like um, just like we talked about over there and then um, you know, it's interesting it kind of works its way down like that and then it starts to uh, so that's f minor nine a flat seven and then e flat major seven it's gonna be really kind of works its way up a minor seven to d seven to g major seven c sharp minor seven F sharp seven to uh, F sh uh, to the B, F sharp seven to B major, and then minor A flat seven. Then we're gonna get way up here. Okay, um, and then we can um, kind of repeat those. So the tune, the kind of the tune itself um, is is you know not not super hard to to play. Um, I think the 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 hard part is um, improvising on it. I think that's uh, uh, fairly kind of clear. Um, um on you know when you kind of kind of take take a look at you know if if you were to kind of play it by rote or something it really it really wouldn't be that that hard to do to play the the chords um the chord changes um 
you know, if you just kind of found the spots and maybe play the chord melody or just play the melody. Um, I think in that respect, it's, it's fairly accessible. Um, the real hard part is to, is to improv improvise on it, uh, fluently. And, um, so like I mentioned earlier, earlier on in the, uh, live stream, it can kind of really push or force one into a situation where they have to really get into basics, right? Because, um, you know, one of the thing, things about this is um, in contrast to like playing like a, like a blues, you know, where you can might say, pretty much kind of play one scale the whole time and um you know maybe outline some things but you could kind of just just kind of hang there and react to the rhythm section and and all that but when it comes to to giant steps that that approach is is gonna be crazy hard to uh to pull off and sound like um sound like one is sort of informed of what's going on with it. So, uh, so it kind of say, okay, then you say, okay, do I know how to make a five, one, you know, sound, um, clearly, you know, okay. Cause, cause it's, it becomes incredibly important. Right? And it's really kind of always important, but um, it really forces the issue. So, um, so I, I'd recommend uh, working with it if if you if you like this here, of course. So, all right, everybody, thanks so much for watching. Improvising is out of the question. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, but thanks for it. Um, I was able to get me a few of the major fake books on the computer. Awesome. That's cool. Um, I think it's good to have the, um, the paper copies too. Um, I think it's good to have the, the resources uh, online as, as well. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's nice to, uh, I think have a physical books I'd recommend to folks have um, uh, both. So books that I would say as far as fake books go, definitely have a, um, a physical copy of the real book one um, and then have, um, I find there's a lot of tunes in the new real book too. Um, but I'd recommend having all three of the new real book too. I'd, I'd recommend having three of the, um, the regular real books, um, you know, maybe the Latin, Latin real book and, uh, stuff like that. So, um, so cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for checking this out and for watching. You're welcome, James.
So fake books, uh, James, are um, uh, basically uh, books that are are filled with um, uh, what are known as lead sheets, which gives you a very basic idea of a tune. So the the word fake uh, comes originally out of faking a tune, faking your way through it. Um, so. You know, it sort of just gives you the basic idea, which is not really, not really faking it. But um, I mean, you could take the real book and and um, and you know use that to really play a tune for sure. But um, but yeah, that's that's where the original name of it uh, comes out of. So the real book is sort of. I mean, this is kind of an assumption that I'm making. The real book is a fake book that um just has a kind of a clever clever name so it's sort of like it's, it's a real book <laughs> so versus a fake book so that's but it is it is basically a fake book um so the fake part of it is not really talking about the book itself but just like the uh the nature of the music and it is gives you the most basic idea of the tune you get the chord changes and the melody um, and so there's typically not really any arranging kind of things or anything. So those are more have to do with like charts and things. So I just Googled it. Yeah. So everybody, thanks again. Uh, hope you enjoy this. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, thanks for supporting the channel. Um, and, uh, and of course, if you want to uh, dig deeper, I'll just give a plug for the whole um, member area here on YouTube, which has uh, uh, been going really well. I've been doing a lot of cool things. Um, I'm trying to gear things towards folks and their and their comments and stuff, and trying to dig deeper here into uh, guitar playing and jazz and all that. So um, check that out. And I am also available for. Um, private lessons um, online. All right, everybody. Thanks again. And I'll see you all in the next video.